Hello, and welcome to a very somber A Star to Steer Her By. Yeah! Jake Here has finally episode... died. No! Huh? Oh, God. Wait, who finally died? Jake. Jake. Oh. No, but in this episode 213, mm. we say farewell to the last of Ducat's sanity and our dear friend Morn. I'm all in black over here. Got the veil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Today's episodes are Waltz and Who Mourns for Morn. Everyone. I'm Chris, and joining me today are... Ames. <laughs> Caitlin. The ghost of James. Oh. <laughs> and. And I'm Jimmy James, here for Somber in the Morning, W503 FM. Boo, boo, the boo, Somber boo, Crew. Gonna <laughs> get real sad in here. Let's get moving on. Ooh. Okay. James was for most sad. <laughs> yes. Loudest means most sad. <laughs> top top forty funerals go. <laughs> Princess Diana, number one. Ooh yeah. <laughs> she was like her a... own theme song and everything. Yeah. Fuck, this is gonna stay in now. Yep. Oh fuck. I'm sorry. Oh, this is getting weird. Princess let's, let's, Diana. Let's let, let's not Ooh, do this Ooh, Mother anymore. Teresa's got to be up there, right? I every don't remember pope her funeral. In, every pope so. in history. That's a limp candle in the wind. I don't know what that means. I don't know First either. up, in Waltz, the USS Honshu is bringing Gul Dukat to some sort of preliminary hearing about his war crimes trial, which won't actually be happening until the war is over, and assuming the Federation wins. There's still time for more war crimes, guys. So many. So many. So, Ben, you know, as they near their destination, has been avoiding seeing Dukat, but decides to go down and see him in the ship's brig. And they have a bit of a chat, and we find out that there's been this Dr. Cox fella who, you know, it's before he retires to Earth in the early 21st century, who was the guy that allegedly put Gul Dukat's psyche back together. Whoopsie. And, you know, it's a weird little sort of sad, tense, strange conversation. Then Ben goes to be on his merry way to get Ducat some canar and uh, sex. And then they are attacked. And next thing we know, we're on DS9, finding out the Honshu has been kerploded. Uh, there's a few, you know, all that's known for certain is that there were a couple of escape pods and a shuttlecraft that survived. The Defiant is being sent to look, but has a very tight window it has to work within because it then has to get back to help escort an otherwise completely vulnerable troop convoy, which has been chilling out in the Badlands, stealing a page from the late Eddington's book. Yeah. We then find out that the shuttle, in fact, had Ducat and Cisco, who have landed on the uh, typical Star Trek cave planet. Ben has all kinds of plasma burns and his arm is all kerfuffled. Ducat put it in like this crazy metal future cast. He's like, there's a bone regenerator, but, you know, I'm not much of a doctor. You probably end up looking like Vina by the end. Speed, speed more up, Chris. Uh, yeah. You've almost <laughs> reached the end <laughs> of the cold then, open. Then the rest of the episode pretty much is Ducat 
and Cisco having a long talk, you know, from Ben's perspective between him and Ducat. From Ducat's perspective, it's between him, Cisco, imaginary Wayun, imaginary uh, Damar, thank you, and imaginary Kira. I feel like imaginary is taking away from like the severity of the situation. They are like mental illness hallucinations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, and they are, they are, you know. Doctor Cox way, did it wrong. That so badly. Wayun just consistently mocks him for his failures. Damar amazing tries to build him up, and Kira just loathes him. And the you know basically it's just that this is all about Ducat wanting Cisco to respect him. Maybe not like him, but respect him. Meanwhile, like him. meanwhile Cisco has worked out that the distress beacon that Ducat set up is in fact not actually transmitting. He secretly switches it on and gives Ducat a chance to be like, "Oh, look at that. It was off." And that whole thing you know, eventually Ducat works out that Cisco had, in fact, turned it back on and was hiding a fork with which to fork him, probably. Beats him with a stick. And then they have a big old shouting match trial where Ducat finally just loses all veneer of civility and is like, yes, yes, I should have killed them all in reference to the Bajorans. Swoon! Uh, he, he then... Uh, <laughs> Kicks the crap out of Cisco, steals the shuttle, which it turns out was fine, but still lets the Defiant know in the 11th hour where to find Cisco before going off into space to be like, I'll be back, Cisco. And that's Hot. our episode. Point of order, he was hiding the, the fork because he didn't want him to know that he had broken a tine off it to do a fiddle. Well, yes, but I think... Not because he wanted to fork I think he it. also... I think he kept it partly because he wanted a weapon as well. No, I think he had to hide it. Where was he going to get rid of it? Yeah, he could have chucked it down a... Corner or something. I don't know. Because he was, you know, until Ducat beat him with the stick, not as injured as he was letting on. I just don't think it. I think Cisco's smart enough to keep a fork around. Yeah, just, it was a little unclear just how injured he was. Because maybe it's because they were in the very, very poorly lit cave. Mm. And that I, you're like, oh, you're burned over half your body. I'm like, is he? I can't tell. Yeah, yeah. maybe. For, well, and and, and little... I guess it, it burned him through his clothes? He yes. was wearing yeah, his clothes <laughs> he somehow was survived. Clothes. Space clothes, future maybe, clothes. Maybe Dakot changed him. Yes. Like, <laughs> like very delicately <laughs> took off all the burned clothes, put on a new, uh, yep. new outfit. Swaddled him like a baby. Uh, but if he knew he was burned all over, he should know that putting fabric on fresh burns is a terrible idea. Right. Mm -hmm. so Cisco was in a lot Ducat, of pain. You fucker. Yeah, I think, I think through most of it, like Cisco was absolutely not as hurt as he was letting on until later. Yeah, no, until, again, until the stick beaten. Mm. We're going to brain you with these clubs. <laughs> so, uh, man, yeah. Ducat, he has. This is, this is a fun episode, and it's you know very, what they didn't tell very us, funny. Though, what, they didn't, what they didn't really make clear in the episode is that you think he's gone crazy because of all the trauma of, of Zial and all that. But the real reason he's gone crazy and is talking to imaginary people is he's just turned 30. Oh, God. <laughs> That's the oldest you can be. Ugh, I know. Wow. In Cardassian yeah. years, though, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, now say, I almost feel bad for him. It's almost like <laughs> he couldn't avoid being a genocidal maniac. And, so, you know, maybe he's, he's, he's to be pitied, not feared, not hated. No, we can do all of them. Yeah, we can do no. all the emotions, and that's what that I'm going to do today. That will make the sex better. Am I'm right? gonna have all the emotions today because this is a really interesting episode. I I just loved it was such a 
wonderfully, gradually, increasingly unhinged performance. Oh, yeah. The acting uh, is tremendous. Yeah. And everybody was having so much fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like, it's a two-hander. There's, it's, it's an episode in which two guys chat. Mm-hmm. For, I was say, um, for days. I think Worf is a two-hander. I wasn't really sure what you were talking about at first. <laughs> Worf. No. I mean, no, no, Worf. Worf. <laughs> yeah, and but I give like, a lot of credit to uh, Rene Urbergenois, who was the director of this episode. Oh, I missed oh, that. Oh, no, nice. um, Making sure we were never bored by two men talking for mm. days on end. Was this one where he didn't have to prepare at the last minute because they fucked him over on the schedule yet oh, again? No, he he totally prepared because like keeping the action visually interesting while we're sitting in a cave and maybe occasionally having a hallucination. Like he did a good job, like keeping yeah. me interested, keeping the tension like escalating, keeping Definitely. the actors like doing so much acting. Yeah, so much. And I mean, from the okay. off. You've got a Lamo playing supposedly fixed Ducat. Mm. And even then, he's still clearly not the same character he was last time we saw him. Like, he's not, you're like, this isn't how I remember Ducat before he went cuckoo. Well, yeah, like, I mean, he's been, he's putting on like a sanity suit. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Can it have like a zipper? Yeah, it does have a zipper. For but easier access? Uh, if you zip up thanks. too fast, you'll catch your penis in it. And uh, that's basically what happened. Accurate. Is that what drove him crazy? Yeah. He zipped his dick. You got the you got the beans above the Frank. <laughs> How do you get the beans above the Frank? So So let's get back to Ducat, because I've got yes. some I've got some research that is very fun. Go for it. Because uh this was written by Ronald D. Moore, whom we all know and love. Mm-hmm. Uh who aside from a couple stupid lines like, you know, lions and geigers and bears, uh oh is a is a tremendous writer. And I guess the whole writing staff was starting to get weirded out by what a, like, rabid fan base Ducat was getting. (laughs) To the point that the fan base was also kind of like, you know, Ducat apologists. We've all seen the Ducat did nothing wrong people. They still exist. Yeah, people who think, like, no, no, Ducat was right to murder fucking everyone. They don't consider him evil at all and all this thing. So yeah, so they write this episode up as kind of a way to make sure, like, okay, we want to deal with Ducat, we want to make sure he's getting more and more evil. And this episode, I guess, a lot of those kind of fans just discount entirely and say it didn't happen. But they're it's like, so good. They're like, nope, we don't like that one because it's a it's character assassination. <laughs> Ducat, you know, they, they just did this as a way to make him evil, even though he was such a like well-formed character before this. <laughs> All the Why things. do people always try to make Nazis look like bad people? Jeez. I mean, the what's fuck? fascinating is like, I mean, I went into this thinking he was evil. And went out of it thinking he was evil, but being pleasantly surprised by some of what I learned on the way. You know, there's that brief bit where he actually talks about how, like, you know, compared to my predecessors, I wasn't as bad at first. Yeah, which may have been true. It's just a flavor of his evil. Yeah, I ended child labor and increased medical treatment and the death rate plummeted. 20%. It's like, wow. It plummeted 20%. It did not actually plummet very much. No, but I mean, you know, still, it's like, wow, he actually kind of tried for two minutes. That's more credit than I ever gave well, him. That's because he wanted to fuck the Bajorans more than he wanted to kill them. Well, yes, the but like, don't get me wrong. I still like went out of his thinking. Yep, that's Ducat. 
But, you know, I went from thinking he's like 110% evil <laughs> to 109.5% evil. That's it slightly improved my view of him. Yeah, I'm yeah, also I'm a little perplexed by just the concept of these, you know, Ducat super fans. Because, mm. I, I mean, you can still like a character in a, you know, in a piece of fiction, but also acknowledge that they're awful. And, yeah, as a know, person. And a, yeah, exactly. I mean, as a like, person, he's awful. As a character, he's phenomenal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I feel like some people maybe just have trouble drawing that distinction between... Yeah, possibly. You know, Seeing a, a good character versus a good person. Right, exactly. I mean, Kai Wynn, great character, hate her guts. Oh, love to hate that bitch. <laughs> yeah, She's a great, so hateable. It's there's great. a great uh, Trek Actually episode. It's one of the early ones that I'll share on the Facebook that talks about this episode in great detail with only very minor spoilers about what's coming ahead that dissects the... Yeah, Ducat's evil, guys. He's he's yeah. He thinks of himself as as a hero, but he is fucking evil. People have an even worse time with this concept of like separating liking a character from thinking they're good hmm. when they're the main character. Mm. You know, like you, you have all those people who are like, yeah, Don Draper. It's like he is not a role model. You know, he's yeah, terrible. or, or uh, Walter White. Yeah, I was gonna bring up yeah. Walter White. Rick from Rick and Morty. Well, I mean, again, too, like Cisco is mostly good, but he's also a war criminal. <laughs> yeah. E ev everyone on uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, my, the thing I remember with. Uh, it's a satire, though. Yeah. The, the thing I remember with Mad Men, they have a similar sort of like episode where it's kind of like the writers going, guys, you're not. No. No, just because he's the main character doesn't mean you're supposed to try to... Mo but he's so oh, pretty! I, he is. Christ, he is. I would even get, like, Ducat fans who are like, No, no, I could fix him <laughs> with my vagina or penis, depending upon what I have. But to actually think he's good is or, like, forgivable yeah, is like, no. Yeah. Like, fixable, okay, you're, you're still wrong. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but you're at least acknowledging he needs to be fixed. The Bajorans also think he needs to be fixed because <laughs> there are just too many half Ducats <laughs> running around. <laughs> oh, no. Please remember to spay or neuter your gulls. <laughs> that Bob Barker, he was onto something. He really was. That's true. There's too many, too many strays. I have no segue, so I'm just going to say this next thing. There was some original story ideas when they were working on this episode that they were going to try to do ugh, the same uh -oh. thing they did in Distant Voices. Oh, yeah. Was, hey, that's fun. That was my joke. Oh, what? yeah. What joke? The, uh, the, the, the he just turned 30 joke. Oh, that. Oh, yeah. Well, this would have been they go oh. into his head. And like everybody is kind of an, a an aspect of his personality and rare, rare, rare. But they would have also gone down and like scooped out some of the stuff from his past. Like I guess they would have like shown a little bit more about what actually happened with Tora Naprem, Zial's mother, which mm. could have been interesting. But every time they did the let's scope out what's going on in Ducat's head, really, they'd pull back and and do a Ducat Cisco scene in whatever psych ward he was in. That was kind of unclear, and they mm. started realizing that was way more interesting. Which is yeah. interesting. Like it's a it's great to have a Cisco Ducat piece where they just get yeah. to act at each other for the whole episode. Oh yeah. Plus, I think getting 
direct answers about any of his background would spoil him as a character. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Yeah, like, I think it's leaving it up to the viewer how much you want to believe anything he says. It's like with Garrick. Mm. Like, as few solid answers as possible, please. Yeah, the more we learn about Garrick, the the more I'm like, did we need to learn that? Eh. I don't think, I still don't think we needed to learn that Tane was his father. Hmm. But anyway, that was another episode. I like that, but I think in terms of Ducat, you know, yeah, you you kind of have the same situation here as you have with Garrick with that, you know, unreliable narrator perspective. Mm. So when he tells you that he dropped the death rate by 20%, who's to say if that, even that is accurate, right? Regardless, you know that he means it. Like right, but the the reality of it could be just about anything. Could have turned out that there just wasn't anyone left to die. I mean, yeah. no, when he Oof. tells us that, oh yeah, the Hanshu was going down or sideways. It, it was going in space. Yeah, um, going away. And yeah, this guy and I saved you, but then that guy happened to die. Do we? Believe oh, he any killed of him. That? Oh, he totally yeah. killed him. Yeah, oh, they, they, got, yeah on, they got to the shuttle bay, and Ducat said, "Oh, here's a phaser." Pew. Yep. Totally. Well, yeah, because this whole thing was fortuitous that the ship came under attack for Ducat, but everything after that, he completely, you know, engineers so that he can be in this situation. Ultimately, and he even says this, you know, he says this to fake Wayoon, I think, that, you know, all he wants to do is get Cisco to acknowledge his greatness, right? Yeah. And then... I think what that might happens, be actually to fake Damar. Uh, he said it to one of his one of his imaginary friends. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, after that, presumably the next step is just to kill Cisco because yeah. he'll have validated his ego and then Ducat can just get on the shuttle and leave. Yeah. Which I'm actually surprised that he didn't try to kill. Like, he actually tried to save Cisco in the end. Yeah, that was I, un- I was un- very unclear why he did that, because he brought up a very good point, which was, if the Bajorans see their emissary is gone, dead, something, they will fucking, like, implode. There will be a revolution because the, like, they will no longer believe in the prophets, they'll believe somebody else must have been the emissary the whole time. Like, their whole belief structure is shaky at best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it comes down to, again, he he still needs that validation and he's going to get it. But that means keeping Cisco alive for now. Yeah, I I think so. Now, now Ducat's grand work is to literally annihilate Bajor. And I think he needs Cisco to see it. Yeah, it is. It's very like it is part of it. Like he's like, I will I will show you what kind of person I I truly am. And you will like. You know, it's like you will respect it. This is often used as sort of an insult to to characters, but I, in this case, think that it's, it's he's kind of grown into an almost comic book supervillainy. But in this case, I mean it as a compliment because he's a better actor than a lot of those <laughs> characters. Yeah, he'll make it real. Um, he'll make it super cool. Yeah, like, but yeah, I think James, that's what it is. Is like, okay, uh, first I need you to see me destroy what you love, then I can yeah. kill you. And I mean, yeah. he's he's probably the kind of person that would be like, no one kills the bat but me. Yeah, exactly. My God, Definitely. there was an original line that they cut for, you know, his threat to Cisco at the end, which was, you'll learn what it's like to lose a child. 
Whoa! And then they're like, yeah. no, that's too specific. That's too specific because now we're worried about Jake and we're going to yeah. spend the rest of the series worried Worrying about, Jake, about Jake, which is yeah. not what we want. And I was already pretty worried about Jake while he was still on Tarak Noor. So yeah. I can't I can't go another season and a half of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't 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 worry. You know, he wasn't rejecting Rick Berman's advances, so he's probably safe. Oh god. <laughs> but that suggests that he was accepting Rick Berman's advances. Well, we don't know. Now I'm pretty Rick pretty sure Rick Berman is one of those self declared super straights. Gross. <laughs> If we could do away with that, with that whole terminology, that would be great. Yeah, well. How boring it is to declare yourself super straight. Yeah, it's well. Well, and besides which, like, so this, I know this is like a total non sequitur to this episode, but people that feel the need to be like, no, no, I am the totally like the majority. Like, yeah, you're super straight. I feel like that's 70% of people probably. So I heard, or I I read the term super straight for the very first time yesterday. Is this like, like, what is this? As far as I know, it's quite new as well. Okay. And it's, it's bullshit made up by homophobe, transphobe, yeah. hated pieces of shit. So don't actually like. It's basically being like, I am attracted only to cis men or cis women. I mean, isn't that yeah. just what being straight is? Well, no, because if you're straight, you could like, so if you're a straight man, theoretically, not theoretically, if you're a straight man, you could be interested in cis women or trans women. But super straights are basically saying, if you don't have a vagina and you don't present as a woman, I'm well, not well, interested. Well, weren't born with a vagina specifically. Fair enough. Like, they also would not, they would not sleep with a trans woman who's had surgery. Right, and that's the difference. If you're straight, you would date a trans or cis woman. If you're super straight, just cis women. Yeah, they're making a statement out of their sexuality instead of just having a sexuality. Which, again, is ridiculously stupid because the only reason that other people need to declare and, like, their sexuality is because one, it needs to be protected because people are garbage. And two, because most people are going to assume you're straight until you say you're not, because Mm -hmm. regardless of how much like diversity of genders and sexualities and et cetera, the majority of people are still probably cisgendered and heterosexual. It dovetails really uncomfortably with, uh, Concepts like white pride as well. Oh, yeah. Of course yeah. it does. It's just, it's, all, it's just more of these people who are in no way oppressed, desperately wishing they were oppressed. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Sorry, I got us on a tangent. Okay. Uh, although I'm sure Gal Dukat would like to pretend he's oppressed. <laughs> I mean, he surely is. He I mean, does. He is acknowledging his greatness. Gal yeah. Dukat, I realized, is a man who is well aware. Because you know, They talk a lot about judgment and this and that. And what it comes down to is you realize this is a man who has begun to realize how history will remember him. And I think that even like that as much as anything with Cisco or losing Zial or anything else is part of what's weighing on him. Yeah, they're going to say I was a villain. Oh, yeah. Does he think does he think there's a chance the Dominion will lose? Well, I think even the Dominion might paint him as a a villain because they're basically being like maybe don't destroy don't destroy bajor dumbass yeah even they were antagonistic to how ducat treated bajor like 
I think actually Ames, I think you nailed, jo- nailed it right there. Yeah, Ames, sorry. <laughs> I think you nailed it where, like, if anything, if the Dominion won, he would be a footnote at best and a joke at worst. Oof. And I think that to him is just as bad as being remembered as evil. Well, right, because they'll be like, huh, remember how we were? We made that Gul Dukat fuckface a puppet. He yeah. thought he was such a big shit, and we, we let little Wayun number five run him all over town. <laughs> yeah, like, there's there's no version of history right now where he looks good. Well, I mean, looks good? He yeah. always looks good. Yeah, but, the, but, he, but he sees that because people don't understand. You know, yes. like they're like th- this whole episode is essentially Dukat trying to get Cisco to either admit or finally understand why he's the hero of Bajor. Yeah. Yep. And Very I think accurate. that that really, you know, makes it really interesting. And there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good like allegorical talk and stuff about like the he's talking about his time at Bajor and taking over from the previous person. And he's like, see, I was doing really good. At the same time, he's talking about like the soup that he made and he gives it to Cisco and Cisco's like, it need it, it needs salt. And he's, then so he's like, gives him salt and he's like, ah, ah, see, I did it. I did it right. I did it your way. I did it better. You like it now, right? See, like I was doing things better. Uh, and Cisco just doesn't give in to any of that. Yeah. You know, it's pepper. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then of course, pepper. And then he's just like, it's better. Like, but in a really it's dismissive, fine. yeah, in a, an incredibly dismissive way of being like, yeah, it's better, but it doesn't really matter. It will and, keep me alive, unlike you. Right. And so there was a lot of really great dialogue about that. And and I also I also enjoyed that this despite what some people may have thought, like this entire episode is really it's there's there's no retconning in it at all, I don't think. Yeah, it's from all, all the times Exactly, which which is actually really impressive because like a lot of shows in a lot of circumstances when they wind up having these like big character moments where like you finally you finally hear the inner workings laid bare, they usually use that opportunity to really tweak the character and like change change the context of their previous actions to you, you usually to make them less of a villain you know like any any really long-running show with villains will typically reframe them as heroes are not as bad later on and they do not do that here they absolutely no. they absolutely like proclaim no he is exactly as bad as we have always portrayed him to be and maybe worse yeah that's actually why i'm glad was was who was saying that were you saying Ames or you chris that they almost did it like a um like a flashback Ames. Okay, because the thing is, is like flashing back to his like romance question mark with Zial's mother would either paint it exactly as that as some mm. like romance where we're like, oh, Gul Dukat, what a charming man. Look how good he is to Zial's mom. Or it would just be disgustingly uncomfortable because it would be that power struggle. Like yeah. she really can't consent can't. because he's literally like space Hitler. And, you know, yeah. yeah. And no matter what it is, like he's. He's incredibly deluded, which is fascinating for his character, into thinking he's so fucking great. Oh, it's because he's a narcissist. Yeah. Classic narcissist. In fact, I want to talk a little bit more about some of these delusions, specifically the crazy, what do I want to say, the breakdown uh, that he had that is making him see these hallucinations, Mm. which is an interesting thing to add to an episode to make it look dynamic and all this thing. I think there are a couple elements that I would have really, really thought would really make this episode pop. And that would have been, A, not clue us in that it's a hallucination until maybe a scene later to think maybe Wayun might actually be here. Mm. Yeah. Might have been interesting. And also, B, where's hallucination Zial? So I thought about that. Yeah, tell me more. 
And I think the fact that she isn't there is actually super important. Because that was his, like, last only connection to, like, some sort of decency. Well, well not just that, me. but she's, like, the only person who ever really liked him, I think. That's true. Like, she loved him and respected him and wanted him to, like, approve of her and love her yeah. up to the end, in spite of what she might or might not know about, you know, who he was. Like, yeah. And that's he was, why, because she yeah. wouldn't be there antagonizing him. Well, but not only that, but she's also not there to reassure him either. I think it's a symbol of the fact that, like, if I mean, she was there, you, you could still say maybe there's some hope for recovery. No, that's, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah cause, but cause, if she's not there, that's it. He just yeah gone. If they had wanted to include Zial, they could have done that instead of Damar. Yeah, like Zial could have pretty easily slotted in there. But I, but no, I think I, the entire time he's talking, he's not talking about Zial at all. Like no, his mental state has absolutely nothing to do with her. It literally yeah. is only. Cisco will respect me. Yeah. You know, or well, Cisco also, already does and doesn't admit it. I also wonder, because I, I feel like Ducat and uh, Kai Win have Kai kind Wynn. of the same problem with Cisco, and that's that they both want desperately what he has, which mm. is to be worshipped by Bajorans. Which is a baseball. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> part of it is that, you know, Ducat feels like at least he feels like I should say he that he has earned through his many good deeds the respect and admiration of the Bajoran people, and yet here is you know this interloper Cisco who has just showed up, and within a week of being there is you know almost a godlike figure, and we're still like they've worked so hard to try to get this acknowledgement. He just is given it and doesn't want it. Right. For a while, he actively rejects it practically, uh, you know, and, until he finally sort of begins taking it more seriously around, what was it, season three or four, where he's like, all right, there's some perks to this, and he starts to fall in love with Bajor as a planet and stuff like that. But like, yeah, yeah, it's bad enough that here's this guy giving everything you ever wanted, and he's just like, excuse me? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, as much as it's about him wanting Cisco to acknowledge how great he is, I think he also wants to, I don't know, usurp what Cisco has. Like, like yeah. basically, Cisco has everything that he wants. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Including Good point. A, <laughs> including a less complicated relationship with his actual child, never mind the metaphorical children of Bajor. And an actually great recipe for jambalaya. Mm. Yeah, Cisco would not need to be told to add salt. No. Yeah, that's pretty. That's no, a pretty really, huge no good oversight. cook should yeah. ever need to be told to add salt. Well, I mean, for, uh, we don't. Maybe they don't have salt on Cardassia. Yeah, I kind of wonder if salt makes him uh, froth at the face like a slug somehow. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Weird. It, I mean, it, it wouldn't. There's no reason why it would. I just. As usual, I am going to talk for a short period. As usual, I watch these episodes with my friend, who I watch all these episodes with and always bring up to give credit, because where it's due. And one of the things we really enjoyed most about this episode is how it really goes into, like, the colonizer mindset with Dukat, mm. and how they really do just say, like, this This is how it 
tends to work, right? You know, the the colonizer mindset is always you go into a place and you look at everyone and you're like, I'm better than them. I know I'm better than them. Once they admit that, I can help them. I will civilize them. Exactly. And like, I mean, but it it expands well beyond just colonizer. I mean, it's it's just like, you know, that's that is the patriarchy mindset. Colonizer mm-hmm. mindset is the same, just writ into government policy over, you know, over continents instead of, you know, within families or within, you know, within interpersonal relationships. And Ducat had a whole lot of really great lines where it was like he was talking about the Bajoran people and he was like they wanted to be treated as equals and like was just disgusted and you know yeah. he's like well, oh if Bajorans want to be treated like equals then X they right, take yeah. those earrings that same out. kind of right. anti-feminist rhetoric yeah, yeah yeah he was like he's like look at their culture look at their government look at their religion look at their art everything about them he was like they are they are like worthless and uncivilized and if they would just listen to us we could fix it and like and and like that exact attitude is responsible for like uh a absurd number of problems in the world like full stop yep. like you know it's 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 one of the reasons why like even charities like when you look at charities you know people tend to be like oh you know it's like we give money to charity we're good people and then you look at the charities and they often tend to have the same colonizer mindset where it's like we are better we know what we're doing we're going to go to you less civilized people and tell you how to do it correctly often without any of their input and then if they get uppity about it it's all of a sudden it's their fault that these things are going wrong mm. Anyway, that's part of my big long rant. Ducat is a good good discussion on that kind of stuff because yeah. yeah. Caitlin brought up the other very point when he was going on about that. Oh, I was saying that he was talking about things that were quantifiable. Yeah, like subjectively and objectively true or not. Like saying, "Oh, our technology was way ahead." Okay, fine. Oh, our whatever else i don't remember what else he said or like greater our, our, military strength yeah or military strength but then he was like our culture was way ahead and it was like whoa 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 like you can't i don't know i don't think you can that's not quantifiable no that's right and yet is exactly the kind of thing colonizers do at every yep. opportunity they will go in and steal all of the art they think is useful and nice and throw it into their well throw it into the british museums and then you know it's like and then you know talk down to the pe- very people who created the art. Yeah. That was something that actually caught me off guard and surprised me somewhat this episode is I had never realized that part of the idea was that they were going to more fully colonize Bajor someday. Like, I always figured Bajor was strictly being used for its resources. And then once it was bled dry, they'd probably just, you know, kick it to the curb. But he did mention that the the long-term goal was a larger scale Cardassian colonization effort and that's like wow that's even worse somehow now because like you gotta make room for these people where they gonna live i don't know dear i'm going with um here's my tinfoil hat yes oh i love putting it on these are my favorites i think that the true goal was not colonization but reunification with spock Exactly. So I've heard this theory before. So Spock, oh, Spock went to Romulus yes. to try and reunite the Romulan and the Vulcan people, two branches of the same biological tree. Now, we know 
that ancient Bajorans traveled to Cardassia. They found the crashed ships, right? Yes, those sail ships. We know that there's at least one sail ship that they found, potentially many more. We don't know. Is it not entirely impossible that Bajorans traveled to Cardassia, an uninhabited planet, and colonized it? And the, the, the Cardassians are their descendants. We know that Cardassians and Bajorans are biologically compatible. They can have children together, so they are potentially, if not very closely, related. Um, well, everyone in the galaxy can procreate together. So. Yeah, but it's implied the, that some of, some of them are harder to do than others. Okay. Weren't the sales ship... It. Oops, sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, I, th- I thought the sales ships were like within the last maybe like 600 years or less. No, we don't know, but we do know that they, I don't think it had to be older than that because it was, it was ancient, right? It was, they didn't, it was almost legendary. <laughs> it was ancient, like the West. They were still, u- <laughs> they were still using them, I think, 600 years ago, because that's yeah. where that poet, previous emissary guy, he was on one of those. Right. But the actual design goes back a while. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like if it was only 600 years ago, it would have been much more common knowledge that... They had made it to Cardassia. Yeah, they wouldn't yeah. have to test it. Yeah. Hmm. So that's that's my tinfoil hat in that at this point now, the Cardassians, they know this. They've known this for years because they've seen the, sh- the ships. So now they're just like, fuck. Well, we're obviously better than our mother culture, the, the Bajoran. So just we like should go Romulans. over there and uh, reintegrate and, and bring all the shit we've learned and all of our spoon-headedness to their uh to their washboard noses but yeah no that is that is uh i have heard that theory before jake so it's not quite as tinfoily as you might suspect also and i'm not sure how accurate it is but yeah they according to the uh memory alpha uh the bajorans have been using sail ships since at least earth's 16th century no oh, okay so 600 years <laughs> Well, that'd be more like eight hundred years, but it's still. I mean, it's point. inconclusive. I would say. Yeah. No. I. I will get. I will give know. that. I will give that. But it does make sense. I feel like there is this common thread in in you know Western society at least, and probably in others. But these this is the one I know better because schooling of like wanting to come out from the shadow of your progenitor in some way, shape, or form. You know, Rome always had a bit of a hang-up about having been spawned, at least partially, from taking ideas from the Greeks, which is why Emperor What's-His-Name commissioned the Aeneid, because it was supposed to be their Odyssey and Iliad combined into one. The British found a way to, not at all historically, but at least fictionally, tie themselves to Rome, so forth and so on. Yeah, Americans so, dump the tea in the harbor every year as a fuck you Britain. Yes, so it's <laughs> you know, there's definitely a, a real world um, parallel to being like, screw you nation we owe stuff to because we're better now because of reasons. Yeah, I mean also wasn't that the plot of uh, Star Trek Insurrection? The, oh yeah, the you're Sona right. One. Oh, the yeah, Sona. they were mad at yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, get back they at were, the Baku. They were literally mad at their parents. Yeah. <laughs> well, who isn't? God, that fucking movie. All right, a couple more notes, but then we should probably move on pretty soon. Quick note: Did those asshole augment people from last week predict any of this? 
Oh. <laughs> Hate that. Ooh. They would never have known any of this. But also, I want to talk just at least very briefly about what's going on on the Defiant, because Worf and everybody is out looking mm. for survivors. There were a couple of good moments. One was very punchable. I wanted to punch everybody on the bridge. When they beam up some survivors, and they're yeah. like, who's it going to be? And it's some people who, like, are alive, and that's great. And they're like, oh, sad. It's not Cisco. I'm like, send them back. Yeah. We talked like, about that. Those poor bastards. <laughs> I also like they were, like, so excited. They're like, we're going to live. And then everyone on the bridge collectively went, oh. Well, not just the bridge. Yeah, it was like Curly's right there. He's like, yeah. oh, it's just the, some women. The doctor, <laughs> Bashir, looks upset while he's like, let me check your vital signs. Normally I'd be hitting on you, but I'm disappointed you're not two men. I don't know. One of them was too old. <laughs> no one's too old for Bashir. He's over 30. He's over 30 oh, That's now. right. All, all holds are not, or no holds barred now. Yep. There it is. But they also did a great job with the ship of kind of trying to subvert the thing they've done many a time. Oh, which is, yes. We're on yeah, a tight schedule. We only have an hour left. And Worf is like, yep, gonna only take an hour. <laughs> Yeah, 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 no, I did, I did like that. It's like, but it also makes sense. Like, like so, so the, so there's a troop carrier that's like in the Badlands hiding out, and it's like maneuvering so that it can go defend a part of the the border. And it's thirty thousand troops, and they are absolutely unguarded. So when they come out of when they come out of the Badlands, they will just be thirty thousand troops without any space guns, so that any ship could pick them off. Like, I'm mm -hmm. glad that they were finally like you know what, maybe we should actually do our job in, instead. And there was even a whole discussion where, like, so yeah. they're, they're talking to Kira, and Kira is reiterating the orders, which are oh, which yeah. is which is like to garbled, go protect the convoy. Garbled and transmission. It was kind of garbled. And so Bashir was like, I didn't understand a word of that. Classic Star Trek uh, move. Yeah, but yeah, Jadzia... Yeah, Kirk would and, have done. Yeah, but then Jadzia was like, it was pretty clear, guys, what she was saying. And and she was like, and it's up to Worf anyway. And Worf is like... It would be here. dishonorable to dis disobey orders. It's like, yeah, or nice you just... Try. Or nice just, try don't, just don't disobey orders. It's like, it doesn't I have mean, to be yeah. about honor. I mean, this is also like... A, a flip of of the the thing that Spock pulled in Star Trek Six when they were they were being ordered, uh, I think they were just being ordered back. Yeah, whatever whatever it was, Starfleet was ordering them, and he was like, "Huh, well, tell them that uh, we're having trouble with the the hoodly what's and engineering." Yeah, and they're like, "But there's nothing wrong with the hoodly what's." He's like, "Isn't there?" <laughs> <laughs> Go break something in engineering. Well, Vulcans don't lie my ass. <laughs> well, well, no. It's more of a, um, um, yeah. If Spock ordered you to go break something in engineering, Spock could then, without lying, say something is broken in engineering. It's true. Getting around Mr. not Scott. lying, it just means you have to take an extra step or two. Hmm. Yeah. Mr. Scott, go piss in the warp core. But I think, Already I think the better You want to kill them all. <laughs> I feel we can safely say that any other captain, if anybody else had been in command of the Defiant other than Worf, those troops would be dead. What would so Cisco dead. do? What, what, <laughs> right. Cisco, Cisco would have stuck. If Cisco would have stuck around, if it was just looking for Ducat. Cisco would pull a crazy stunt that no one else would do, risking everyone's life for no reason. He'd like plow straight into a sun just for fun. <laughs> just for fun. <laughs> 
Well, now and now the real question, as you posited, Caitlin. Did I? Mm-hmm. What was my question? Well, he's got a nemesis again. Is he going to fuck it up, too? Like oh, we did with Eddington? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I... Yeah. I was like, well, you know, Eddington made you look like a fucking idiot a couple times and then just up and died. Uh, you didn't actually beat him. <laughs> so... You Eddington sure? saved your life. <laughs> you sure you want to... Uh, okay. Ducat's going to call up Cisco and taunt him with like, so have you read The Count of Monte Cristo? (laughs) (laughs) We're like Beauty and the Beast. (laughs) (laughs) You remind me of one of my favorite literary characters, Quasimodo. (laughs) (laughs) What I'm saying is you're a real Esmeralda, Cisco. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I'm just... I'm a pretty man. Kind of worried it's offensive now. Fuck. Don't listen to me. Maybe he's also a fan of uh, Les Mis. Mm. But maybe he's more interested in the musical, so... <laughs> like, he'll... <laughs> he won't be making references to the book. He'll just come out singing, like... I don't know. I don't know any of the songs. <laughs> I'm Javier's, sad. I am miserable. Oh. Stop hunting me. I'm sad. Leave me alone, copper. Actually, can, you know, if we assume, like, you know, not not a huge jump, but I could totally see uh, Ducat as a weeb and just being like, "Are you familiar with Lupin the Third? Cisco, so and he just starts calling him Zenigata. Pops. He would call mm, him Pops. Better. Even better. <laughs> Don't get the references. Let's talk about another thing. Yeah! Nope. I love Only more than one thing. <laughs> How all about right. another well, episode? Yeah, sorry, we're very sad again. Everyone oh, gets no. sad. sad. Mm. Bring up the, the soundboard, Rossi. James, James, yes, <laughs> Who invited Waluigi? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone invited Waluigi. That's true. I always invite Waluigi. So in Saturday AM. Sorry. Why? Who mourns for mourn? As the title implies, everyone's favorite barfly mourn has kicked the bucket, having been killed in an ion storm during a trait run. There's a big uh, party at Quark's. Quark figures out a way to try to monetize Morn's death by making sure somebody's always in his seat. And then to his great joy, he finds out that one, Cisco was Morn's executor, apparently, and two, Morn left everything to him. But as far as he can tell, everything is a mud bath (laughs) and yet another... Oh no, that's right. He actually he's that it's the it's, same Oh painting. my god, it's the painting he won. Yeah, from I the forgot. Auction. And don't forget all the rotting beets. Yes, yeah. and a bunch of rotting beets. Rotting beets and a matador black velvet painting. Morton's yep. into some weird shit. He is. So just as soon as he gets the tub, Quark finds out Morn has an ex-wife Laurel, who's all like, oh, so you must Look. know where the thousand bars of gold pressed Latinum are. And you know, Quark gets a massive hard on. He goes, I'm sorry, what? And apparently he won the something or other lottery, but they don't know where the money is. And Quark's like, I'll start looking into it. And then a couple of lizardy looking bastards who apparently were named Crit and Nosk show up and are like one of them doing a really bad like Jack Nicholson. Uh, 
Yeah. No, see, I was going to say, uh, um, oh, he was in Star Trek six. David Warner. Chris, Christian Slater. Really bad Christian Slater Christian impression. Slater was in Star Trek six. He yeah. has like a two second Three cameo. Points. He's he's really? the one that wakes Sulu. I was you know, getting Nicholson too, though. Yeah, no, they were bad. Yeah, well, bad. They, like, I loved Slater. them. Ugh. Slater has often been accused of kind of just doing a bad Nicholson. So, see, I, but, I don't uh, know that's Slater. Right. I think I've huh? only seen Christian Slater in Mr. Robot, where he is just the best. So, oh, I didn't know he was in that. It's so is he the good. one that was in Heather's. I've never seen Heather's. I don't know. Yeah, he's in Heather's. Yeah, I most that is, a lot of times I've seen that movie. But that is a whole sure ass Jack Nicholson the entire. I film. mostly know him from Archer, where he's playing a bizarre version of himself who works for the CIA. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it's great. But anyway, so there's these two lizard aliens, and they're like, you know, where is old business partners? Um, and they demand <laughs> that's the money. Accent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then some human shows up who for a split second I thought was the security chief from Babylon 5, but it wasn't. And yeah, he's he looks all like, like him. Yeah, he's like, Morn is secretly part of the Lorelian royal family. Lurian. And the Lurian royal family. And since he's dead, the money belongs to them. And Quark's like, Jesus fucking pickles. And, you know, long story short, none of them are who they say they are. Turns out all four of them and Morn back in the day pulled a motherfucking Mother's Day heist. But then Morn was like double bird and ran off with the money. Uh, and the reason they're all popping up now isn't just because he died, but because the statute of limitations is up. And they're all like, you know, it's time to take the money and run. Where the fuck is it? And Quark is like, look, we let's just split it five ways. You need to deal with me because the money's going to be in my name. And everyone's like, ugh, fine. And they go down to the, uh, you know, cargo bay where Quark's Tesla branded personal safe is. And the minute it's opened, the four of them turn on each other. A firefight breaks out. Quark hides in the vault. Odo breaks things up. He breaks things. Yeah, and Quark is all like, it's mine. All mine! But it turns out that all of the latinum has been siphoned out of the... Gold filling. The gold bars, yeah, leaving worthless gold behind. Funny. Uh, and we discover that Ferengi are strong enough to powderize gold in their bare hands. That's horrifying. Uh, I, I think it was just like a dehydrated gold, basically. Yeah, I don't like think it was porous. like solid gold. It, was, it must be, because it should it, not be able to. A gold ring in that size, like, even just lifting it would be a, yeah, that's a, true. Yeah, a Besides, terrible prop, thing. Proper gold wouldn't wouldn't burst into dust. It, it's too malleable. It's because the, yeah. it's because the latinum has been removed from it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just think it's yeah. the same thing. Yeah, yeah I think what it was go. is like the 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 when it, gold pressed latinum is like like he said it's it's a suspension of liquid latinum in gold so that it yeah. retains a solid shape. Mm. Yeah, I didn't realize so little latinum is actually in each thing, too, which is kind well, of... Well, we, we haven't gotten to that. Uh, we have Very end. Very end, you know, Quark's at his bar, he's pissed off, he's got a, he gets some rotten beets, a demudded tub, a broken painting, and gold powder, which, you know, maybe he can put it in the drinks to make him pretty. And then, oh shit, Morn's alive! He reinvents Goldschlager. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> and Morn takes his seat, and before you can explain everything, Quark figures it out and gets all annoyed at him. But then Morn reveals he had hidden the latinum in his second stomach and spits out a hundred bars worth to give Quark for his troubles. Bricks worth for his trouble. And yeah, it's like Tinkle half a balls. shot glass yeah, it's like at a, most. Like an ounce at most. Yeah, so there's barely any latinum per thing. Like there must like a strip must have like an atom of latinum yeah. in it. Mm. Well, what's and, interesting though is that ev 
apparently, so Lorel, right? She pickpocketed. There, there was one yeah. real brick which yeah. was yep. in Morn's safe deposit box, and Lorel pickpocketed it. So presumably, other than, if she didn't know about the uh, that Morn had hidden the 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 real stuff, then she might have managed to stash that well, somewhere. Do we think that one still had the latinum in it, or do you think he unlatinumed all of them? I'm assuming that one still had it because otherwise like the whole point of that one was to lead you to the others or to lead quark to the others yeah that's true and, and if anyone's it, gonna maybe check it yeah and quark if he realized that it was fake he might not have followed through with the well the and plus the without thing. the latinum it doesn't have that shimmer that they talk about or that sound yeah it must make a nice like 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 fingers on a water glass yeah oh i like that well like quark that earlier in the episode quark is playing uh What's it called with Jadzia? Yeah, Tongo. And yeah, Tongo. And and he bangs two two strips Little together, ones. and it makes oh, a smart. it makes a ding. Oh, that's yeah, good foreshadowing. Yep. Yeah, and they also like they also like drop the uh, the exposition that ah, it's amazing that somebody thought to suspend l- liquid latinum in solid gold. Yeah, that was like okay, the first no. time. Gold. Yeah, the first time they actually described what it means to be gold press latinum. I was grateful, though. I've always wondered what the fuck it was supposed to mean. Now, which is it, Armin? Is gold valuable <gasps> or is it worthless? Damn Because it. the first time we met you when you were fucking, uh, what the hell's the Frankie word for captain? Daemon. Daemon Chrysler there. You were like, they make their com badges out of precious gold. Listen, well, also, didn't, in Little Green Men, didn't wasn't there... A, a thing where where they were going to try to get some gold from the the humans. Maybe the bottom just fell out of the market. I mean, maybe. Well, I think they because they knew that at that time humans valued gold. Mm. He loves gold. Yeah, I know. I, that's that's one of those little nitpicky canon things I don't actually care about. But it is funny that it was Armin Shimmerman both times. Yeah, that's true. That's funny. Armin Shimmerman fucking acted his ass off, and I loved all, like, basically everything he did in this episode. It was You liked so... a goofy episode? The thing is, aside from the two lizard monsters doing a great. very terrible accent, they were I, lovely. I hated them. If they, oh. if, they, if they were played straight, I would have fucking loved this episode, but as it stands, like, it's a good episode. It's some great Armin Shimmerman being absolutely out of his mind. Mm-hmm. Well, it was nice, too, because we got to see Brunt FCA there and Kira and, to a lesser extent, Damar having a really big lot of fun in the previous episode. Getting mm. to see Armin Shimmerman go crazy. That was pretty good. Yeah. Oh, by Brunt FCA, you meant Wayun. I get it I now. meant Wayun. I get yeah. it now. <laughs> That's <laughs> took who me, I took meant. Took me a second, too. There was a, there was a great line that Armin Shimmerman had, and it's the easiest thing, but he had the best delivery where, I think it's... Dax tells him, don't be fooled by a pretty face. And oh, he yeah. like pulls this pearl clutching, not me. And, and I then loved she it. Yeah, right, right yeah. before Jadzia wipes the floor with him. <laughs> I mean, he must be used to that. Yeah, I was going like... to say, he's some kind of masochist or something and just love or sadist, whichever. I think oh. he likes having her beat the ass out of him. In yeah, Tanga, and she, she always like she's way better. Always wins. She beats the Nagus. I mean, it just. She's got, you know, several hundred years experience with the game. If we assume it wasn't just learned by Curzon, which is honestly what I assume. But So at one point in the episode, they go to the, the assay office again. Yeah. Which yeah. 
Is that the first time it's come up since like the first or second season? When Probably. they were because yeah, they were that's when they were still doing like the Wild West stuff. And yeah. so they had like this old style at a say office where you could like go get things. Well, I don't think they ever actually even showed it then. They just talked this? about it. No, they showed it. They showed it because it was oh, like, it was it, like yeah. a bank of like drawers on the wall. Oh, that's and they, right. And they had this really weird guy running the place and like he was like pulling everything out and like describing what they were as he was pulling them out. Like these yeah, like weird mundane objects. To, you can tell he likes to sniff everything in there. Oh, yeah. yeah he was in the um, Vash episode, wasn't he? Yep. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. That's right. I yeah. completely forgot we actually saw it back then. I think the SA office only gets brought up twice, maybe only talked about twice, and then mm. this time. <laughs> I don't know why I was so excited about the return of the SA, the SA office, but I was. Yeah, why not? It's it's the simple yeah. things. I mean, oh, I boy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We we really only see a few locations on the promenade regularly. Yeah. But it I mean the promenade is massive. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Mm. the you station know, it, it, is it encircles this the the entire central ring of the station. So yeah, I think yeah. I don't have a full appreciation for how big Deep Space Nine is because we see the same things and see, and we see the same people every episode. So yeah, I mean, right. which is typical of a television show. But yeah, there there <laughs> are there are the times where of varying scales they will show ships you know docked up to deep space nine like haven't they shown the enterprise and like yeah. the enter oh, yeah. like deep space nine was like literally 10 times taller than the enterprise yeah, yeah. In, in terms of like diameter it looked like it was probably about three ish yeah enterprises you know yeah we're talking the galaxy class so i mean jesus right but but i think and also at other City. times you've seen the comparisons and there's no way it's that big like yeah it's it's a little yeah yeah, early designs of the promenade actually had a monorail. Ooh. That would have been uh, cool. But expensive. To really, yeah, to get across, like, just how big it is. It's like, I'm just going to take the train to the other part of the promenade because walking would take too friggin' long. So we haven't really talked about them, but I really... So apparently the one thing that we can say for sure is that Morn is a, like, master thief. Yeah. Who who accomplished what what was it? It was like the the Lurian Mother's Day heist. Yep. And like apparently it's a heist that everyone is heard about. Like it mm-hmm. is it is huge. Like if you know if you know about crimes, you know that, you know, 1000 bars of gold press latinum were stolen while Prince. everyone on a planet was celebrating their mom. Yep. And which tells you that uh Mother's Day is very important on Loria. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, we saw, saw more than his that's, mama present once. I was going to say, yeah. it's like a callback to that almost, where it's like, oh yeah, we, we, one thing we know about Morn's people, we don't know much, but we know that they really love their moms. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And so, like, so we wind up meeting all his co-conspirators, and they're all pretty fun people. Like, there's mm-hmm. Laurel, who passes her off as his ex-wife. Yep. They're two brothers, and, and then some rando who, some rando yeah, maybe human, Tane. Tane, who who says like, "Hey, you are, you know, Morn was a prince," and and goes and all. I thought they were a cool crew. Like, I yeah. I actually think it would have been interesting to like have had them interacting a little more. There was a mm. lot of Umox, and I'm oh, I've God. been done with yeah. Umox for several seasons now. We all have. I, I think. I'm, assu- I'm assuming every one of us has come up with this joke on our own at one point or another, but Umox. 
definitely eaten. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't, but that's good. I hadn't, no. Yeah, Thank you, Rosie. Yeah, but at least this time it wasn't like Odo trying to trick someone into molesting his ears. You mean Odo, Quark. Quark. <laughs> wow. Woo! Uh, uh, why don't you go yeah. over there and touch the Ferengi's ears, lady? Odo, what is wrong? It's the only way he can get off when he's not in the link is by watching someone molest Quark's ears. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, Odo, you're case, disgusting. In this case, the Umox was, you know, Lorel using it as subterfuge so she could pickpocket him. Right. Yeah. Which Although I, it was also is an acceptable use of Umox. It was also barely subterfuge because they both knew what was going on the whole time. It was yeah. very weird, but the Umox thing is just absolutely uncomfortable, and I really don't like when it shows up. It's just yeah. ugh. Well, and again, it's always like it strikes me as being like grabbing someone by the nipple in public and just being like, do 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 do. Yeah, they like, were like, I can't imagine tuning dude and cork like a radio. Yeah, it's just it's so fu- <laughs> yeah. For him, it's like more like rabbit ears, like <laughs> like What's I don't funny, know, but yeah, it's too- stupid. Is if you go back to that scene, which I don't know really wants to do, but if you do, he at first does a very admirable job of keeping her hand away from that part of his chest. Mm. Like he very consciously grabs her arm. Oh, and keeps not the it nipples. Down. Where the not the nipples. Where the where bar the is, is, yeah. Because yes. at first she starts reaching, like she go, goes to paw that part of his chest, and he's like, eh, "Nice try." But eventually he slips and lets her hand get up there, which I thought was some very nice, hmm. subtle physical acting. Mm. That you know he kind of was trying to protect that area. She was going for it. Why was she he going eventually, for it? Did she know? Because she, I think she really somehow knew it was there. Oh. Because I think it, when she first stopped him, I think she just, just put his, his mark, hand mark, against both his chest, hands against his chest, and probably felt it there or something. Or again, yeah, she's just a professional thief and could see the bulge in his clothes or something. I don't know. Well, what does that have to do with his breast pockets? Hey. Well, she also could have been, you know, spying on him the whole time he was in Odo's office. You know, it wasn't like they were being terribly subtle with with what yeah. they're yeah. doing. Or alternately, again, like, the, one of the first things he does is keep that his hand away, her hand away from that part of his jacket. She must have been like, well, there's something there I want. Mm. Mm, true. I, of of the two of the other criminals, despite Ames's feelings on them, I liked Crit and Nask. Uh, I especially I liked it. Nask. Well, no, I loved there's this one. So they, they have a confrontation, and it's just standard, oh, we're kind of criminal tough guys, like, give us money. Mm. No, do the um, accent. I can't, <laughs> but I like well, the only, I one, like only the one of them has it. I I preferred I th- preferred Nosk the brother anyway. Um, stupid one. He's no, he's not stupid. He's just a little slower. That's all. Um, in processing what's going on. Was he, and he the got one mad. that tried to that tried to math and mathed wrong? Yes, he did. Yes. And then I grow. one thousand one thousand bars among five people. Two hundred fifty. Two hundred fifty bars. bars each. And then in the background, he's like, wait. Yeah. yeah, and then he really, and then yeah. fucking oh, Hain, I missed that, and then fucking like, like they scratches himself it. in with the face. Gun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are not the brightest people. No, no I love them. Like, Jesus, I loved all Dion. of them. What are we Morn, doing? Morn was yeah. probably the one that kept them from hurting themselves. Um, well, it's clear why he got away with the money. Yeah, but but Critton asks. So at one point, Nask like breaks breaks the uh, black velvet painting over Quark's head, and then yeah. later later. <laughs> Crit and Nask like busted to an elevator. Quark's in and like Crit holds Quark down and says, "My brother has something he wants to say to you." And Nask is just, "I'm sorry about the painting." Okay, that was like, <laughs> and he's totally, he genuinely he's totally feels serious. Bad about it. He's and like, him he's at like, the same time. he's like, "You made me upset. I don't like being upset." And then at the end of the conversation, he's like, 
By the way, I am really sorry about the painting. <laughs> I loved, I loved them. Uh, yeah, they were fun. They got a little too the, cartoonish. Uh, weird accent. Yeah, I, 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 I'll give you that. But yeah, I like, did like, enjoy looking at this as a Ferengi episode because it's more for it's more a Quark episode than a Morn episode, which is kind of a shame. But mm. I have notes on that for a couple minutes from now. And normally, when we see things like oh, when we go to Ferenginar or some shit, like the goofy shit is usually let's play sexism and ableism and racism off for laughs, and it makes me feel like God. This is silly and dumb and also wrong. This was just kind of silly and dumb and light and fun. Yeah, still not yeah. my cup of tea, but I like it better than that kind of shit. I, I, I mean, really, it was definitely. Oops, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I just in going with the like fun and goofy stuff. I, I really appreciated when they give the reveal of all the money of all the the gold press latinum. They have this really good camera angle where you yeah. it's inside the the chamber <laughs> holding the gold, looking out, and you see Quark, and he's losing his mind about all of yeah. the money, and he like is leaning into it, and as he leans into it, you can see more outside of the container, and you just see everyone's guns go up and start That's pointing good. at each other because they're about to yeah, take a, each other out, and Quark just has no. No idea. It was such a good frame shot. I liked that yeah. a lot too. Yeah. That's a, I also that's liked a refrigerator that shot. Ooh, is that what Ooh. it's called? Ah. That's what it's called for in uh, in. in I, I also making. feel like it was it was a nice palate cleanser after the deeply serious waltz. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, kind of nice to be like, let's uh, let's have some fun because yeah. that got heavy. I don't know. No, no, let's let's see what Quark's doing. <laughs> what were we saying? Me? Yeah. Oh. Uh, no, I said uh, Nana Visitor was very fun in Waltz, so there's mm, fun. Oh, yeah, no, her, yeah. her, her and uh, Wei-Yoon were clearly enjoying themselves. Um, I loved, I so loved Damar. That was, Damar was such a toady. Like, way more. Like, this is, this is how, yeah. this is how uh, he's perceived. It's <laughs> just yeah. an absolute underling toady. Yeah. So, if we assume that this Mother's Day heist, like, it's, it's, it seems like a very classic heist movie setup where you have a team of you know a diverse team of thieves yep that kind of that you know so like an oceans 11 style heist what role do we think in the oceans 11 spirit did each of these take well i feel like more the, i feel like the 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 lizard guys were like the muscle you know yeah. maybe they drove the getaway van or whatever See, I was going to say, if anyone was the getaway driver, it's Morn. We know he's a freighter pilot. Well, That's and true. not just is he the getaway driver, but he's like the original getaway driver's cousin who gets roped in because the original getaway driver is sick and he doesn't even really know what's going on until it's happening. Although he's also the only actual Lorian in the group. Nah, I think My I think Morn need a ride to the bank. I see? I think Morn was way more involved. I I, I yeah. suspect with all the other with all the other intentionally unseen descriptors of Morin, like very talkative, very like very great, like yada yada yada. Jedzia has a crush on him, right? Spars he must. With Worf. He must cute. have. Oh, that's right. <laughs> He, he must he must have been like mastermind because like Laurel was you know it's like if she can pickpocket and do thieving stuff like that's super useful I could see uh, Nosk being the driver I could see Crit just being like there to intimidate somebody Hain maybe to well I guess if he was on an alien planet he might have stood out but like he might have been more like the straight man who like you know goes in and looks presentable and like professional yeah. Master of disguise, well, that guy. Yeah, I'm one, yeah. Okay, here, okay. Here's here's how I think it went. Oh no! See, I haven't so, seen Ocean Eleven in a long so time. So Lorel, 
uh, used her feminine wiles and her pickpocketing skills to get close to a security guard at the bank mm. and lifted their credentials. I'm imagining Kane, the montage in my brain right now. Yep. Hayne is a, an expert at social manipulation and... Oh, no, no, he's a, he's a lockpick. He's, he's expert at getting through security systems. Mm. So he did that part. He got, you know, so she had the, the credential, but then he still had to, like, open the vault without setting off the alarm. Yeah. I think I'm going to say that, that Crit and Nosk were just, they were just, like, straight up muscle. Um, yeah. You know, that they, you know, or maybe they, like, dressed in guard uniforms and, mm. like, escorted the big thing of gold to the, to the waiting ship and made it look official. And then, I think- and then Morn... I do. I, I agree. I think Morn actually was the getaway driver because that's how he managed to get, get away, away with, with all of the gold mm. and disappear from, you know, from them. I think what I'm learning from this is that I really wish we had gotten Morn a Star Trek story instead of Solo a Star Wars story. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we, maybe we could, could uh, lobby Viacom to make a short trek. Of the, oh, a short of the trek. Mother's yeah, that's Day a good, heist. That would be fun. That would be idea. real fun. It's a great idea. Yeah, I think some of the short treks are a good place to put this kind of stuff because I feel like mo- most of I'd, I'd even take it as an show. animated thing. I'd even do. I'd even accept animated. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, that could work. Now, Actually, the they could is, put it into um, lower deck. Not lower decks. Uh, Prodigy. No, I don't know. I was gonna say lower decks, but then again, that takes place after this. So it could yeah. Work. Actually, so does Prodigy. Um, Getting back to Morn, though. So yes. I know, like uh, the writers. They got a lot of fucking story pitches about Morn. But the thing is, the one caveat is you can't give Morn any lines because that was kind of in their rules. And most of them, therefore, didn't really know what to do with it. So this one writer writes in and says, okay, how about my idea is it's a story about Morn, but Morn's not even there. And they're like, yes, that could work. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's also a little bit of a shame because I didn't realize this until I read about it that Morn is always uncredited, even hmm. in this episode in which he's like the oh. the focus character. Like Ew. he's always uncredited, even though like his character was super popular. Everybody knows Morn. All this thing. That's a little it's bit like of a shame. Stig. Mm, probably some weird sag rule. Hmm. He also got to yeah. play the Bajoran that uh, they put in the chair in the in the funeral scene. Oh, that's funny. That's cool. That's cool. Nice oh, that touch. was that was Morn's actor that. that yeah, that was Mark Allen Shepard. Yeah. That's fun. It's funny too because the guy like looks very confused. Like he's like, I, I actually didn't realize this was happening. I was just here for a drink. Okay. I I love that. Uh, you know, Cork makes this big speech, and one of the big points is always keep Morn's chair filled. Um, so that he has customers. But like, so Bashir walks in, and O'Brien is doing like really important fine fine control work at the bar, and Bashir's like, shouldn't you be doing that in like a lab? And he's like, I'm keeping Morn's seat warm. Like, he's like really, really offended. And then like, Good man. and then he, yeah. And then he gets up and he's like, I got to go. And then Bashir sits down and, uh, you know, O'Brien says, good man. And like walks off. And then Bashir just kind of like starts tapping the table. Like he actually had some really important stuff to do. And now he can't leave. <laughs> well, no, the thing is, he actually, he was there for a drink, but it's one that apparently only Quark makes well. Oh, Quark it, isn't coming out. It was. So now he's like, I'm going to order something else. Yeah. He, he he wanted to order. Must a, be a Sumerian sunrise. No, he wanted no, to it order. A, it was a Tilamine froth. 
He, right. Rolled, right. he rolled the R. Yeah. Does that still mean froth? Probably involves an egg white. I was going to say, it sounds like, yeah, egg whites, like a whiskey sour type yeah. situation. Yeah, so now he's got to decide what drink he wants instead, because I guess only Quark can make it right. I thought the end bit in which Morn is back, but he still can't have lines because mm. he's Morn. It mm. went on for so long that it got really kind of just weird that he yeah. had no lines. Mm. I was like, wow, this is yeah. this is like a three minute scene of Quark well, talking. It's- it's because that whole time he was working up the latinum loogie. Yeah, the, the latinum he had stored in his second stomach for ten years. Thus causing himself to go bald. I want to see Morn with hair. I do not. <laughs> I bet, it was, I bet it was glorious. I bet hair. it was friggin' Fabio hair. All right. I, I bet, bet it was had, amazing. I bet he had a mullet. I bet he so, had all the fucking party in the back. My, oh, yeah. In my imagination, until until recently when it was shattered but in my imagination mourn with hair was just a wookie <laughs> like, he, like it's not like hair on his head like no he's a full he's an actual wookie what, and if you shaved that? chewbacca Discovery? you would get a mourn but we saw another yeah. lurian in a couple in the season Disco. of discovery but but the thing is they didn't have hair either so I'm calling bullshit. I think that the creators of Discovery just assumed that Lurians were bald based on this, uh, based on Morn. Wow. And didn't no, even no. do the research to find out that no, they actually do have hair. Are they Morn even is just fucking bald. fans? Those, those two just have Christ. Those two just happened to shave their heads. It's a stylistic choice. They or shaved their whole body. They had to get rid of all of now, that see, in, Chewbacca body hair. In my mind, Morn with hair. Elvis style pompadour. Mm. <laughs> like big, black, slicked, you know, he would put a comb through it every so often. He's already got a sort of almost a biker look going on, so. He was, a, he was a greaser? Yeah, he's like Fonzie. Did he have cigarettes rolled up in his sleeve? No, no, no. They don't smoke by the 24th century. He I might. Think they, they probably do. You gotta buy some dead sticks. Oh, yeah. You uh, know what, though? They probably don't cause cancer anymore. It really is a perfect society. Yeah. Well, they gotta synth tobacco. I'll have some synth tobacco, please. That would be awesome. Come on, the future. Hurry up and get here. <laughs> now, it was just me, or was the Latinum CG? Yeah, was. that's. I was surprised it they was. didn't just use, like, gallium or, or mercury or something. I mean... <laughs> yes. Here you mercury. go. Hey, Mark Allen Shepard, how much of this can you drink and spit back up? What do you mean? Well, I would have been fine if, the, if CG coming out of his mouth, but then once they showed it in the glass, it could have just been liquid. Ow. Yeah, yeah, it did look. I thought that too. Now that you mention it, so it, it looked like Odo in the glass a little bit. <gasps> a little I didn't think it was bad though. Oh, uh-oh, Odo actually replaced the gallium or the uh, the latinum in Morn's stomach while he was asleep <laughs> with himself. <laughs> Odo now has all the latinum. Yikes. <laughs> What's Odo going to do with all that latinum? Spit it into people's glasses. I mean, he could buy himself a latinum bucket or whatever. 3D so we print have... some random shit with his butthole out so of latinum. Is what? this the first mention of <laughs> you heard bricks me. of latinum? I don't know. Of what? I know, so is this the first mention of bricks of latinum? Because yes. I know we have strips, slips... And, and bars. Bars. Um, and ba- I always, you know, it, it was implied that a bar of, of gold press latinum was a, a fairly valuable thing. But now we have bricks 
which is like uh, an unre- untold amounts of uh, wealth. Next size up is a house of gold pressed lead. <laughs> yes. A drum of grape. What was it? A drum. I think a drum of Cheetos. Cheetos. Or now, I'm going to say that, that the next size up is a Zek. And that, <laughs> and that the top, the top denomination of of latinum is always named after the the sitting nagus there we go and each each nagus just has to add like one tiny atom of of a latinum to make theirs the biggest yep yep Yep. i wonder do you think the uh since gold itself isn't of any value do you think the head on the nagus's cane is actually contains latinum inside the gold head probably that's a that's a good idea Why would you make a cane out of gold? Why wouldn't you just... Or latinum, why wouldn't you just paint it? It's not even real. Well, it's... It's a, like, it's a paste you know. replica. No, I'm so, no, it's, it's, I'm it's, so it's, wealthy, I can have money that I can't use because it's in a weird shape. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's... it's it's Whatever those words are, for when you want to look important and good, and you have a thing that makes you look important and good. A facade? A, um, uh, no, I know what you mean, uh, though. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Odo was fun. Status, Odo was fun too. yeah, status symbol. Oh, uh, okay. I was gonna say Odo was very fun because every time he like brings Quark to a new one of Morn's rooms, Odo knows all this stuff yep. ahead of time, yep. and he's yeah, like, yeah. Oh, he's no. been there. <laughs> There's just a, a bath it. in here. It's also been a while since we had, like, some good Odo and Quark back and forth, so it was nice to see it again. Hmm. I like really to imagine... The opening chunk of the season was, like, too serious, and I think it's the first time since sort of that arc ended that they had a chance to just have them be an old, like, throwing barbs. I like to imagine that uh, Odo subscribes to True Crime Podcasts <clears throat> and has been obsessed with the Lorian Mother's Day heist for years and has been trying to solve it in his spare time. And he already knew the whole time that it was Morn. <laughs> he was just waiting just for couldn't... the statute of limitations to expire? Well, no, he just no, couldn't he, prove it. He just couldn't prove it. And he's already checked all of these places for the gold. But not that's, his that's how he knew that, that Quark wasn't going to find it. Yeah. I love the idea that he would be one of those, like, internet sleuths. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Here's a stupid question. How does the statute of limitations work? Uh, it tends to just be after a certain amount of time. Like, there are statute of limitations in current day. It's yeah. like, you just cannot be arrested for something. For certain crimes, you can't be arrested if it's been X number of times. Is there, like, a limit to what kind of crime? Yeah, uh, certain things. Well, like I assume like, not murder. Yeah, like murder, right. I think, does not have. But a like everything of else does. Like rape definitely does, which is why, that's like, bullshit. there's been. Yeah. Well, it is. yeah, it is bullshit. And that's part of the problem with, like, people being like, oh, like, why didn't you come forward? Oh, you're coming forward now. Well, it's, you know, it's. There's no point in coming forward now because. You yeah, know, I, your I th- ability to charge for it expired ages ago. Yeah, I think some. A but lot is of that states. Criminal versus civil? Do civil things I, have uh, statutes? I don't know. Limitation? But yeah, I do know a lot of states are working on extending or eliminating statute of limitations for rape. Good. But yeah, like that, and that 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 is a common trope in like crime fiction. Is that it's like, all right, we stole all this stuff. Now we just need to not touch it for X years, yeah. and inevitably people don't and... wait long enough. No. Nah. The whole idea of the statute of limitations is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It's like it's basically like 
all right, you can do a crime. And if you get away with it for X amount of time, then, uh, you know, that's a free pass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's weird when you really get right down to it. It's like, what? <laughs> like, it seems like if if the authorities could still like because I feel like that's the bigger problem is that after enough time has passed, getting and gathering evidence is going to be a challenge. Yeah. Or like finding witnesses that mm-hmm. that are still around and willing to testify and have well, memories and, of the fucking thing that happened. Well, for that reason yeah. too, for that reason though, they're sort of probably relics of the past because like DNA's only been around since like the early nineties. I want to say. Well, DNA's always been around. Our, our well, you know what I mean. Yeah, though. I know. Yeah, what you mean. I criminal criminal cases. But like, so there being a statute of limitation makes sense because at some point. Like, there's nothing else you can do. You know, thankfully, people held on to some of this evidence. And when we were able to look into stuff with things like DNA, we still had them. And we're able to learn more. But yeah, I guess that is what it would come down to is just ba- once upon a time. It's like, look, look, we could theoretically try to prosecute this person, but the chances of winning are so slim. Why even bother? Yeah, because you really do have to satisfy like certain standards before you can even actually bring something to trial anyway. I Although, I mean, yeah, this thing is like you could still, even without a statute of limitations, you could choose to not prosecute if you were just felt like you couldn't win. And in fact, that happens or at least used to happen a lot. It probably still does. Yeah. Yeah. But because the. You know, it's up to prosecutor to prove. Guilt rather than to prove innocence. Yeah. I wonder if part of one excuse you could have for keeping the idea of a statute of limitations is to prevent or reduce the incentive for blackmailing people. Mm. Because if like you knew somebody committed a crime, you could blackmail them indefinitely by threatening to go and and rat on them. Uh, But socially that will always be good currency. That's true. Like, even if you got away with something, if you used to rape five-year-olds and now you're teaching kindergarten, even if you couldn't be put in jail for it, you know. The fact that a statute of limitations involved in this case, though, does imply that they had the perfect heist in which nobody got killed, or at least nobody on the side of law and order got killed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like they just went in when everything was closed and, uh... Mm. Yeah. Everyone was over at Morin's mom's house. Morn yeah. repelled down Mission Impossible style from the ceiling with his sweet, sweet greaser hair. <laughs> okay, new, uh, new, new theory. Yes. Um, all Lurians are biologically male, and there is only one queen. Only one <laughs> mom. So, only one so mom. Mother's Day is literally the queen's birthday, and. And it's it is the biggest holiday because she's everyone's mother. It's funny because I was sort of thinking something something similar when they talked about their Mother's Day. It's like that episode of Futurama when all the robots go to pay homage to mom. <laughs> mm. Yes, yeah. it's not it's not Mother's Day. It's Mother Day. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Happy Mother Day. Well, it's it's not Mother's plural day. It's Mother's Day. Seriously, mother, mother apostrophe s. Right. The 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 day belonging to mother. Someone get Paramount on the phone. We gotta write this. Yeah, I think we just had we just had a great brainstorming session for a a Morn spinoff series, and uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna EP this shit. Star Trek Morn. We'll have like a really serious <laughs> opening, just like Picard. It's gonna be beautiful. <laughs> uh, amazing.
Maybe that's what our next fanfic should be. We should write this, but each of us will have to write a section. Like someone (laughs) does the first quarter, someone does the second quarter. Mm, I like it. Go ahead, I'm not gonna. What? I like it, I like it. Ames says no. No, you can just write it for fun on your own. I don't want to. Speaking of next, what are we doing next week? Are we done? I feel like we're running a bit long. Yeah, we're running long, but that doesn't mean that I'm over it. Okay. (laughs) Well, I also feel like we were starting to run a little out of steam. I was trying to cut us off at the pass. You could have instead of just trailing off awkwardly. You could have checked in with us first and been like, "This is a real fun episode." Anyone else have anything to say about it? Hey, James, do you have anything? Um. Not that I can really think of. I don't think I even have any of those weird little like one-off things I put in my notes that I forgot about. Uh, 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 I liked during his funeral scene there was lots of extras and many different aliens. They really pulled out all the stops to have all the people there. There we go. That was it. Thank you. Hi. I have one now thing. I have to keep all that. God damn it. <laughs> I just want to mention that something I forgot to bring up in the second from the first episode rather is when um. Gul Dukat and Cisco are like having a chat and hallucination Kira is there like shit talking the hell out of Gul Dukat. Yeah. <laughs> what part? <laughs> We're watching it and it's when she's like, yeah, you're a vile piece of shit, you fucking you know, scumbag. <laughs> and then I, imitating Avery Brooks, went, why do you have a boner? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Avery <laughs> gave great face. He I gave such to... great face when he realized that's uh, out of his mind. Yeah, like, <laughs> Go oh, with it! You're talking to people only you can see. <laughs> this just changed everything. <laughs> Dr. Cox it, is fired. It was pretty great when when Cisco is like, let's just pretend Kira's not here. <laughs> yes. Because she isn't, you fucking loony. Oh, poor guy. Anyway. Um, oh, man. Can you, you imagine what would happen if Ducat ever met Mirror Kira? <gasps> oh, man. Oh, I ship it hard. There oh, would that's be babies. That's Holy shit. He would be calling her mommy. My God. Oh, she, she, he would, she would be <laughs> stomping on his balls. I was so just, just going to say, just, just Ducat dropping to his knees and saying, step on me. <laughs> okay, actually, that's the fact the only, that we got to write. The only no. thing... Well, I'd be happy to write that. Uh, the only thing I can think of is worse is I want once... So sorry. I once saw a porn where a guy was like jerking off to completion, and when he started to come, the woman just like punched him in the nuts as hard as she could. Oh, no. <laughs> Why? <laughs> it made him come a lot more. Oh God! I'm pretty sure there's a that's a scene in Antichrist. Oh, well, I, I haven't seen Antichrist. No. Is that the movie? Is that the movie with the snowcaps? Right? Awful porn that someone that's showed me. Snowcaps movie. <laughs> Sponsored by snowcaps. Jesus Christmas! <laughs> All right. Well. On that note, oh. good. Now we've got the good segue to go out on. Yeah. Hooray! Send help, please. Oh, God. If you liked that, you sick fuck, and you want to hear more. <laughs> yeah. Woo! You can find a star to steer her by wherever fine podcasts are sold. <laughs> you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) 
You can find us on Facebook by searching for A Star to Steer Her By. You can find us as uh, SSHB Podcast on Twitter and Tumblr. Or you can find us at www.sshbpodcast.com, our home on the web. Next week, we're going to discuss two more great episodes about Deep Space. Or, uh, (gasps) woo! Two more great episodes of Deep Space Nine, Far Beyond the Stars, and One Little Ship. Oh, man, and Far Beyond the Stars is one of the really famous ones. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, were you just telling me that? Yep. Yep, okay. So you better fucking like it. Whoa. Send help. Anyway, uh, I have been Caitlin. I have been Jake. This has been Chris. This has been Ames. Hi, I'm James. Bye, James. Yay, thanks, James. uh, Bye, I'm James. Do you have anything to plug, James? Nope. Hi, hi James. I'm bye. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about that the other day. Hi, bye. I'm dad. Ah, love it. Yes. <laughs> James, James, take us out on some of that good, good morning. Yeah. Yeah. You've been listening to the AM Morning Crew. Oh, my God. Morning Crew. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> oh, I didn't even catch that. was so good. <laughs> <laughs> The Morn Morning Crew. Oh, yeah. oh shit. I love it. <laughs> I the Morn Morning Morning Crew. Who mourns the Mornsman? Mm-hmm.